Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwood. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> A special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented, of course, by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations, or you can browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use promo code BSN20, BSN20, for 20% off your entire purchase. Welcome to the show, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. I don't even want to look at what time it is, uh, Christian, because I know it's late. I know I might be pulling an all-nighter tonight, but hey, you know, this is an extra edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast. I know we don't usually come to you guys on weekends, but it's the playoffs, so we're working overtime. Late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, game one, it's in the books. Yeah, it's probably so late we could turn this into Tequila Sunrise if you wanted. Oh, God. I swore after Friday night I was never drinking again, so uh, that would be a no-go for me. Yeah, usually when I make those promises to myself, it lasts like three days. Yeah, I need a drink after this one, though. This was a tough one for Denver tonight. They fall in game one. 101-96. They're down 0-1 in the series. It's funny because we were sitting down to write our, our post-game articles, and we got a lot to get into on this game for sure. And uh, we both got done. And if you want to hear our reaction and, and our thoughts from you know what we saw in the locker room and what we saw tonight, bsndenver.com uh, backslash nuggets. We both got stories up from game one. But we kind of turned to each other and said, there really wasn't that much to write tonight. There weren't an endless amount of angles to take from this game like – we're usually able to from every Nuggets win or loss. This game was pretty cut and dry. The Nuggets got a lot of open threes. They missed a lot. They generated a lot of good looks you know, throughout their offense. A lot came from beyond the arc. A lot came from two-point range as well. Uh, they defended the Spurs pretty well. The missed three-pointers, uh, it, it was unreal. I haven't seen a lot of things like it this season. Yes, Denver has struggled from three this year, but... They haven't struggled 
to a tune of six of 28 from three uh, too often. It was baffling, I thought. Yeah, if you just look at how Denver performed from the three-point line in the regular season, their worst performance came against the Houston Rockets. It was a four-for-24 night. So this wasn't that far off from from equaling you know, the, their worst three-point shooting performance in the regular season. I mean, yeah, this game was a good reminder that, I mean, basketball is a lot of things, but you know, the most important thing you can do is just shoot the basketball because if you're not able to, to shoot the basketball from outside, it allows the defense to just play you way differently. The, the Spurs were shading so hard on Nikola Jokic. It was just impossible for him to get anything going post-up-wise inside. And really, I mean, for things to open up, they just needed to knock down a couple from outside, and it, it just never happened in this game. It's a make-or-miss league. How many times do coaches and, and players say that throughout the season? That was the case tonight. The Spurs made a lot of shots. The Nuggets missed a lot of shots. And still, Denver almost got the victory. Here's where I want to start. And this was something I hit on tonight. I felt like the convenient narrative that was attached to this team coming into this game was, oh, this is such a young team. Oh, they're going to be nervous. You know, the Spurs are this grizzled veteran team who's been there before, Popovich, blah, blah, blah. Malone and the Nuggets, they've never been in the playoffs. Four out of their five starters have never played a playoff game. Well, Will Barton has a couple, but pretty much four out of their five starters have never played significant playoff minutes. They're going to be nervous. And while I think there probably were some nerves, I feel like they went away after the first couple minutes of the game. And I don't think the nerves were necessarily a reason why they kept missing three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer. Uh, like you were saying, this has been a trend all season. The Nuggets have been a very mediocre three-point shooting team and over the last couple months have been one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. Yeah, and it's so weird to think about because, I mean, when you just watch the Nuggets warm up or whatever, they have so many guys with, with beautiful three-point strokes and, and so many guys in the past who, who've had really good shooting seasons. I mean, Gary Harris has really fallen off this year, although he, he played pretty good tonight. Jamal Murray is, is just an up-and-down player that's kind of been, you know, one of the stories of his career so far, really. He, he's struggled to really piece good games together. Tonight was was mostly a dud. So, yeah, I mean, Malik Beasley has probably been the Nuggets' best shooter this season. Um, you know, they should be better than they are. Yeah, and Monte Morris, who shot above 40% this season and was one of six tonight. Only 0 of 1 from 3, but missed a lot of easy shots, a lot of those runners and floaters that we've talked about uh, how well he's hit on those all season long. Uh, Will Barton was 1 of 5 from 3. Jamal missed all six of his three-point attempts, including his first shot of the game, the Nuggets' first shot of the game, that was just this wild transition three on Denver's first possession that almost looked like it was like an end-of-game shot with five seconds on the shot clock, not 12 minutes. Uh, Millsap went one of five from three, and Denver as a team, six uh, of 28. What do you think of the looks they generated? A lot of wide-open looks, right? I thought the looks were... We're good for the most part. I mean, I, I can't complain about them too much. I thought there were times when Denver could have been more patient and just, just worked the ball around instead of launching, you know, five, seven seconds into the shot clock. Just just work the ball around, especially in the first half. I, I thought they were kind of guilty of that. Um, Jamal Murray had an interesting quote after the game. We're all excited. We're probably too excited. That's why some sh- shots didn't go down. 
will make them will come down. It's going to be a good series. Yeah, I, I wouldn't classify nerves as contributing to, to what happened tonight, but over-eagerness, I think, is maybe a better word. Perhaps, yeah. Murray definitely had... Uh, I'd say Murray was definitely excited. It wasn't hero ball, but it, it was like, you know, make that passing cut. Right, right. Yeah, and that was pretty apparent from the start. I thought, like, Denver keeps track of paint threes, what they call it. One of the assistant coaches on the bench keeps track of it. And a paint three is anytime they get a three-point shot and they generate it after the ball touches the paint. So it's like a pass from Nicole Jokic from the block to the three-point line or a pass from Mason Plumlee off of an offensive rebound right next to the hoop out to a shooter. Denver keeps track of those. They... I guarantee you they generated tons of paint threes tonight. I mean, Nikola Jokic had, what, 14 assists? The second most a center has ever had in a playoff game. And Will Chamberlain, the only centers in playoff history with 14-plus yeah. assists. Nikola Jokic in a conversation with Will Chamberlain again. Nikola Jokic had nine assists in the first half, I think. At one point, he had like nine of Denver's 14 assists in the game. Uh, so... I felt like Denver, for the most part, they generated good looks all night long. They just couldn't hit enough of them, and they're going to have to uh, to beat the Spurs because I don't care how good you play defensively. You're not going to win a game when you shoot 6-28 from three, although you know one Jamal Murray elbow jumper, and they would have won. <laughs> That's crazy to think about. and yeah, I mean, if you're trying to search for positives in this game— the Nuggets almost won this freaking thing, and I don't. I really don't think they can shoot any worse. Like this is about as bad as they can shoot it from three. They were twenty-one and a half percent overall. Torrey Craig was the guy who I thought was stepping in with the most confidence tonight, which is kind of crazy to think about. He had a really deep one from the left wing. I believe that was in the fourth quarter. That was a pretty important one. Yeah, Torrey's the only guy to make multiple three pointers in this game. So the fact that the Nuggets were close and. They shot it about as poorly as they could have. I think you can kind of take solace in that. I thought the defensive ever was outstanding tonight. Right. They hold DeMar DeRozan to 6-17 shooting. I thought Torrey Craig played great defense on him as well. LaMarcus Aldridge, just 6-19 of 19 shooting. I thought Nicole Jokic, and we'll get into his night in a second, but I thought for the most part, Nicole Jokic played really solid defense on LaMarcus Aldridge, both kind of in the mid-range where Aldridge really likes to operate and down low uh, on the block and at the rim. They shut those guys down, but it was the Spurs role players that got off. Derek White, who had himself a night. The Colorado kid, he went to high school here, went to college here, of course, and got drafted by the Spurs. Probably one of the best games of his career, 16 points on 7-10 shooting to go with 5 assists, and then pick Jamal Murray's pocket on the game-deciding possession late. Bryn Forbes, 6-9 from the field. Your boy Bryn Forbes, 15 points. Rudy Gay had a nice night as well. Denver left him wide open way too often a couple times from the corner where he's probably shooting like 50% this year. The Spurs role players just outplayed the Nuggets role players tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't believe the Spurs starting backward is Bryn Forbes and Derek White, and they're here, and Heck, they might want a playoff series. I mean, that just speaks to the Spurs player development, just unrivaled in, in the NBA. And, yeah, um, the Spurs the Spurs role guys were, were definitely better. Michael Malone said this after the game. You know, he thought Nikola Jokic did a, a good job offensively, and I'd agree. I mean, 
I mean, some guys are just going to have to make shots for him to to open things up a little bit. Look, I know fans were saying during this game that, oh, I wish Nicole Jokic shot a little bit more, and I agree with that somewhat. Like, there were some chances for Jokic to let it fly a little bit more. He had no confidence in his three-point shot tonight. I think he airballed that first one. But even so, I, I thought Jokic was an overwhelming positive in this game. I thought he was too, and here's what I thought about his night. Look, the Spurs played the Nuggets exactly how Denver thought San Antonio would. They threw double teams at Jokic. That's what the scout said the Spurs would do. That's what Denver had in the back of their minds about what San Antonio would do. They were not surprised by anything San Antonio threw their way, and I think that gives the Nuggets some confidence heading into game two, and and also the fact that they shot that poorly and still could have won this game. Uh, It gives them a good feeling heading into Tuesday as well. But Nikola Jokic, I mean, he played that kind of defensive scheme correctly. He made the right play. He was finding open teammates. I mentioned the paint threes he generated. Uh, His three-point shot, it's a little concerning. I mean, he has not shot the ball well from three this year, and it seems like he's a bit hesitant to take those three-pointers now. Um... I agree, though. I think he could have been a tad more aggressive, and the area where he could have been more aggressive is he. there were a couple moments in this game within the flow of Denver's offense where he got one-on-one matchups with Jakob Pertl, with LaMarcus Aldridge, and if he would have made a quicker move to the basket, like he had done in previous matchups against San Antonio, he would have been able to score and beat the double team and get to the hoop before the double team arrived. He didn't do that. He, he was very methodical in his movements tonight. He played a really plotting game, I thought, was not quick enough with his moves. And if he got into his post-repertoire more quickly, I think he could have beat the double team and scored a couple more baskets. Yeah, this, this game did feel really slow, and I guess that was to be expected. I think the Nuggets were 26th in pace, and the Spurs were 22nd in pace in the regular season. But, yeah, it, it seemed like the Nuggets... I mean, they could have just played with a little more tempo in the half court. Well, also because every time the Nuggets hit a three, and they only hit six of them tonight, Greg Popovich burned the timeout to stop whatever momentum Denver had gathered off of one made shot. I was watching Pop just work the refs, too, just trying to understand how he does it. And I mean, there was one timeout where he just lit into the refs for like 30 seconds, too. Mm -hmm. He he tends to to really light into them, too. It, It seems like when... It's not even like a close call. Like, it, it seems like he really lights into them when it was pretty clear that there actually was a foul, to me at least. Interesting. A lot more to get to on this game. Quick, though, a word from StravaCraft Coffee. StravaCraft Coffee is a game changing coffee. It's the CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are out of this world, they're incredible. You guys gotta check these guys out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped to decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019, BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. Final word on... Nikola Jokic's night. I heard something at Pepsi Center that I have not heard all season and potentially ever. When Nikola Jokic was sitting on three shot attempts, maybe four shot attempts, I think 
it started in the third quarter. He it was really before he had, he had a couple of his field goal attempts down the stretch, but he got the ball at the elbow, and I think he had a one on one matchup against Pirtle, and it was clear he wasn't really going to make a move to the basket, and he you know passed the ball out to an open shooter. I heard this collective groan from the Pepsi Center crowd. Did you hear that? And have you ever heard that before? Not to that degree, no. I feel like it's usually coming from media row, not the crowd. Yeah, I mean, 20,000 people wanted him to shoot that thing. Right. It was just kind of, it was building all game. It was really building all game from the first quarter on it. And I'll say it again, uh, we both believe it. I think he played a good game tonight. He helped generate a ton of open looks. Second spectrum, shot quality, data says that the Nuggets... You know, they generated better looks than the Spurs did tonight. And that was another thing. San Antonio hit tons and tons of really tough pull-up shots from the mid-range. Those long twos. I could not believe the shots that Bryn Forbes was getting to go down. Denver generated better shots. Uh, they just missed them. And it's been a trend, like we've been saying all season with this team. The Nuggets just have not been able to convert from three. What did you think about what the Spurs were able to do offensively. To me, it seemed like, I mean, just so many of the looks they get are just tough looks. Maybe that's the type of guys they have. DeRozan and, and Aldridge are guys who kind of live in the mid-range, but it seemed like the Nuggets did overall a really nice job of, of contesting them for the most part. They did. I thought the Nuggets played well defensively. This is my other takeaway from this game. The Spurs are just not a very good team. They're a solid playoff team. I think they're the worst playoff team in the Western Conference probably. And in the East... Do you, would they be the sixth seed, potentially? Maybe better than Indiana? I don't know. I don't think the Spurs are a great team. They're well-coached. They have guys who know how to play the system, who defend hard, and who know how to execute, execute the Spurs' game plan. They can knock down open shots. But this Nuggets team is so much more talented. They're such a better team than the Spurs, I think, on both ends of the floor. And that's another reason why I still feel good about Denver's chances coming in, heading into game two. Originally, when I came into the series, I was like, if Denver drops game one, it's over. There's no way they're winning a game or two in San Antonio. They've got to take care of business at home. After watching the Spurs play tonight, I still feel good about Denver's chances in the series. I think I agree with you. And the guys in the locker room afterward were pretty upbeat, considering it was a, a game one loss in front of a just a crazy home crowd. Uh, shout out to the crowd, by the way. They were fantastic tonight on a, on a night when it was, it was tough to be crazy. But everyone seemed like they were pretty optimistic that, hey, if we just, I mean, it, I, I guess, shoot a little bit closer to, to average for us, then we're going to be able to get this thing done. I mean, Nikola Jokic was almost joking in his postgame presser. Like, after he finished up, he... Like went into the mic and he goes, "Oh, my voice is pretty loud in this thing." <laughs> like he just went full sixth grader on us. So, yeah, Jokic was not too bummed, and I, honestly, I think that was a, a positive sign that there was still a lot of optimism in the locker room. Yeah, Nikola Jokic walks up to the mic, starts cracking jokes after just a disheartening loss. Jamal Murray goes upstairs and gets in a workout. I think that's pretty telling of the contrast between those two guys yeah uh, it's a pretty good window into the differences and not that there's a right or wrong approach or anything but so does Denver have to make any adjustments in game two 
because Michael Malone said after the game that, you know, they'll look at things, of course. They'll maybe make a little tweak here or there, but don't expect anything drastic to be different in game two. The Nuggets really believe that, look, they just have to hit a couple more shots and they can win game two. And quite frankly, they're right. So I wouldn't expect major changes to Denver's game plan at all, would you? No, no. I mean, because I think the Spurs are going to continue to double Jokic. Um, I mean, I think they're going to keep going to that as as long as Denver shooters stay cold. Like, Denver's just going to have to prove it from behind the three-point line to, to make San Antonio readjust. The only thing I would say is, especially in the first half, I thought Denver forced up a lot of looks early in the shot clock from deep. I think they could have stood to, to just be a little more patient and try to try to work it side to side. Um, just just have that patience. I saw a little over-eagerness at the beginning of the game especially. I agree. The Nuggets need to continue to attack the hoop, though, especially yeah. if those shots aren't falling. I thought Gary Harris did a really good job of attacking the hoop, and you know he looked as good as he has all season in these last three or four games. He was outstanding tonight, I thought, on both ends of the floor. Best player on the Nuggets team tonight. 20 points on 7 to 12 shooting for Harris in a game high or not not a game high but a team high 37 minutes so that was really encouraging to see from Harris the Nuggets got to the line a decent amount 24 free throw attempts that's above their season average and Denver has never really been a team this season that's gotten to the line with a ton of regularity so you like to see that but they need to keep that up in game two yeah, absolutely. And, you know, attacking the basket, that was that was something I asked about after the game. And, I don't know, Barton kind of said that if, if it's an open look, you, you just have to take it. If, if they're closing out, then, yeah, that's that's an opportunity. But, I don't know, if, if you're that cold, I, I think you kind of have to force the issue, in my opinion. But that's just me. Is Denver a bad three-point shooting team, do you think? No, I think they're exactly what they finished in the regular season. They're mediocre. Right. I don't think they're bad. Right. And I think when Gary Harris is healthy, then they're above average. They've been up and down from three. I just have always gotten the sense that they should be a better three-point shooting team than they are. And maybe the injuries to Gary Harris and Will Barton have really affected them you know, this season and those guys' three-point shooting percentages. Although, you know, Gary's been banged up before, like last season, and he's still been able to shoot from three. Same with Barton. He's had injuries before and still knocked down threes. Jamal Murray, he's streaky, but he still finished the year at 37% from distance. Monte Morris and Malik Beasley both shot above 40% from three. Nikola Jokic has been a good three-point shooter in the past. His three-point shot has kind of abandoned him this season. Paul Millsap has been up and down, but has pretty been pretty solid from long range this year. I, I just feel like with their personnel – the Nuggets have a lot of shooters, it seems. Like, it doesn't seem like they're void of good shooters. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's pretty simple. I think three of their five starters took a took pretty significant steps back as far as three-point shooting goes this year, and that's Gary Harris, Will Barton, and Nikola Jokic. I mean, Nikola Jokic showed tremendous strides as an outside shooter last year, and that's really the only area of his game this year that I would say is disappointing. Gary Harris... Uh, you know, 42% two years ago, 38% last year, and this year he's down about 34%. That really hurt. So, yeah, the Nuggets just, just need, you know, Gary and Barton to knock those down. And Jamal Murray, I don't know, man. 
I mean, he, he has games where he's just, like, molten hot. I mean, I think he made nine threes in a game against San Antonio or against the, the Suns earlier this season. But as we've talked about all season, you just like him to be more consistent. It, it just seems like he gets such good looks, too, playing next to Jokic. He does. He gets so many wide-open looks, and he's got to be one of the streakiest players in the league, I, I would think just from a game-to-game basis, it's pretty rare that he'll have, you know, a 4-5 night from three or a 4-7 night from three and back that up with, you know, another 4-7 night from three. We got a lot more to get to on tonight's show. We got to hit a break real quick. We'll be right back. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by The Green Solution. Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here late, late on a Saturday night, early Sunday morning. After game one, the Nuggets fall 101-96 to to the Spurs. Adjustments heading into game two, we don't think there will be many. Denver liked the shots they got. They liked the offense they generated. They like how they defended the Spurs and forced them into a lot of tough twos. The Spurs were just hot. They hit a lot of difficult shots. The Nuggets were not. They missed a ton of wide-open threes. And so I wouldn't expect much different from Denver. They weren't surprised by anything San Antonio threw their way. They knew the doubles were coming to Nikola Jokic. They weren't thrown off by that. And that's the reason why I think Denver can bounce back in game two. I like the vibe coming out of the Nuggets locker room. It wasn't a vibe of, oh, we can't beat the Spurs. It was a line of thinking of, we're right there if... One bounce or two goes our way. We're up 1-0 instead of down 0-1. I think that Denver wins game two easily on Tuesday. I threw that prediction out there on Twitter shortly after getting out of the Nuggets locker room. How do you think game two goes? I think Denver is going to win it. I'm, I'm with you that there was a quiet confidence in that locker room. Nobody was shell-shocked and, and surprised that the Spurs just hit them with a ton of firepower. A couple guys said that the Spurs pretty much did exactly what they thought they were going to do. I mean, the Nuggets knew this was coming. They knew that Jokic was going to get doubled. They just didn't execute it. It was as simple as that, and I don't think they're going to go 6 or 26 again. The best part of tonight might have been the pregame hype video. Thoughts on that? Well, I thought the Nuggets were going to win by 25 when I saw it. Right. Like, how could you lose when you play right after a pregame hype video like that? Yeah, the LED bracelets... 
I wasn't sure about this going in. Phenomenal. Well, yeah, if you guys didn't see the videos or weren't at the game, every fan in attendance got a t-shirt, right? It was that dark blue Elevate shirt that was on every seat back, and everybody got those. They also got LED bracelets that didn't just light up, which which I thought that would be the extent of what they did. You know, they, they light up for the national anthem or whatnot. makes a pretty cool picture. But they were synchronized to literally everything that happened tonight, from the defense chants to the national anthem to the halftime act. It was crazy how they were synchronized. I thought it was great. Yeah. I did I'm- think I was at... EDC or Coachella instead of a playoff game at times, but <laughs> I, I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I was just like looking around the stadium and, and following like the, the trail of lights during the game. It was kind of like the wave, but with like red, white, and blue lights during the national anthem. It was pretty sweet. They, I mean, they killed it. And they had a uh, sicko mode is one of the like pregame songs or whatever, like set to the the hype video. So. Eh, that's always a good choice. It's honestly tough to screw up a hype video when it's set the sicko mode. Yeah, I think that's like the preferred hype video song of choice right now. Yeah. Um, man, anything else from this game? Like we mentioned at the top of the show, we were sitting in the press room after we filed our story saying there weren't tens of angles to take on this game. It was pretty cut and dry. Well, Derek White almost killed Paul Millsap. Paul Millsup might have to hold a Viking funeral for the headband he wore for this game. And then Malik Beasley almost killed somebody. Was it Pirtle? I think it was Pirtle. Probably Pirtle. <laughs> Let's be <laughs> honest. Although Pirtle did have a clutch little eight-foot floater jumper set shot from the baseline. Yeah, you could just see Beasley's eyes get wide when the lane opened up and there was just Pirtle at the basket. Did you see Beasley's reaction to that dunk? Oh, he went full full mutant. He reacted almost like he made it. I, I meant to ask him if he thought he made the dunk. Because <laughs> I think that there's a scenario out there where he actually thought the dunk went in and not that it flew off the back of the rim into the stands. I think he was just hyped because of the crowd. He was probably just hyped. The crowd did get as loud as I've ever heard it late in the game, though. As loud as I've heard the crowd, as expected. You know, largest crowd of the year, probably. Playoff crowd. And they didn't have a ton to cheer about for much of the night, but uh, late in the fourth quarter when Denver made it close was fun. Yeah, th- I mean, the roof would have just blown off this place if the Nuggets had just made, like, a third of their threes even. This was inches from us sitting here talking about how Denver's going to potentially sweep the Spurs I think if like the Nuggets had won this game or I would definitely want to amend my prediction from seven to five if Denver had found a way to win this game now I'm still liking my prediction for seven games I'm sticking with six Nuggets and six the difficult part is Denver will have to win in San Antonio now that's something I didn't rope into my projection I thought this series could go seven and every team won their home games that's already off the table uh Denver's going to have to win a game in San Antonio where they've lost 13 straight. And that's going to be tough. But like we said earlier, Nuggets are just such a better team than the Spurs. They should be able to do it. Yeah, and I just kind of worry, too, that, I mean, they're young. Are they going to feel the pressure of Game 2 is kind of a must-win? 
Like you, you can't afford to go down 0-2. Going oh, game two is an absolute must win. Yeah. It's an absolute must win. I mean, yeah, that's true, but I just hope they don't play tight because of that. And it's a must win, not even because it's really tough to win in San Antonio, just because the psyche of being down 0-2 for these guys who have never been to the playoffs before this season, that would be tough to overcome, I think. Got to get done. I like their chances. All right, if you guys got questions about this game, I'm sure you already have it, and I'll get to those probably on Monday's show, but the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. We'll be back with another episode on Monday. Talk to you then. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, with a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, We have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at moesdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Moe's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend Moe's to someone because we cater to all needs a family-friendly atmosphere we have colorado beers on tap all the games on the tvs it will blow your mind with amazing barbecue